0: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast powered by SB Nation. You can find us at Hogshaven.com at Hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Mall. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell it. Do not forget the U. Look, man, you know why we here. It's football, baby. Now, You know, we would typically circle back to the the previous week's game on a Wednesday this week, but, you know, we had to take care of some Dan Schneider things. (laughs) And um, that, you know, took over everything that we we had concentrated on. But uh, this this episode is all about football. We are previewing the Washington Commanders and the Minnesota Vikings. And, um, well, first and foremost... Let's let's talk about it right quick. Um, on the show today, we do have uh the good man Nick Olson. Um, Nick Olson covers the Minnesota Vikings for a variety of outlets. <laughs> I think that's the best way to say it. Viking territory, um, zone coverage. Uh, you have kindred skulls. Um, that's on Climb the Pocket and in the Daily Norseman, um, which is SB Nation. Uh, so our our brother or our sister outlet—I don't know what it's called. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> but Nick Olson is going to check in with us on this show, so uh, we'll get a, a little insight on the Minnesota Vikings as we gear up for the six and one team up north. And with that being said, um, yeah, it's it's football, man. And, and I think for for everything that we got going on in Washington, um, I think the best things that were said about you know it's, it's never a dull. Week in washington that's first and foremost i think a lot of people always say that that's that is a matter of fact you don't get bored covering the washington commanders or being a fan of the team and you just wish it was all football related but you know the fact of the matter it is not um but the best thing about you know this week in, in in the events that transpired on wednesday is that you know the players said it best they gotta block out the noise um They got a job to do. They're not worried about the the off-the-field stuff. They can't control any of that. Neither can the coaches um, that are coaching these guys. They can't control any of that. So it really all boils down to what the hell are the commanders going to do on November the 6th at 1 p.m. for three hours, 60 minutes of football? What are they going to do? when the Minnesota Vikings come into town, a team who I believe and continue to say is not a good six and one team who I have said, if I haven't said it on here, I've said it on shop or dive. This is a game. This is a team where you look at this, this unit and in the overall structure of the team, and it falls in the ranks of Washington, possibly beating them. Right. um, Said you had a good look against Chicago. You had a good look against Green Bay. Um, you had a good look against Indianapolis. The Minnesota Vikings fall in that same boat, and they're better than those teams, but they are not a dominant six and one team or a good team where you sit there and look at and, and say that they are clearly going to win a game. Right? They may look. They may be better than Washington on paper. And I still, I think that's a, that's debatable. I think the quarterback position is the ultimate outlier. Um, But this is a game where you look at the Vikings and you're saying, hey, well, we might mess around and win fourth straight. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Again, when you talk about, you know, what is the team going to do at one o'clock for three hours, 60 minutes of real time, I mean, game time. You just don't know, um, or or I think that the best thing to be specific, I think the best thing that Washington can have in this moment is a distraction, a healthy distraction, and this healthy distraction is on the field things, and you you got a few people to worry about on that side of the ball. I mean, excuse me, on that on that team, um, specifically the offensive side of the ball, uh, and um. Kirk Cousins, for for all his worth, you know, is, is still ticking, still still doing things in Minnesota. Uh has a winning record over there. I believe he's 36 and 30. Uh oh, uh that's a world beater record, right? <laughs> it ain't. Um, it ain't. Uh so at the end of the day, you had or 39 and 30, 39, 30, and one. Um, 39, 30, and one with a six and one start to this year. So um I think for everything that's going on for Washington, uh you have a big opportunity against a 6-1 team to solidify yourself as somebody who just got off to a bad start. And the further I continue on into these weeks and the more I watch the film, I do think that there are some some issues with this defense. But I do believe that the defense is a little bit more solid than I would give them credit for, that I gave them credit for, to be clear. And I'm giving them that credit now. Um, The defensive line was never a problem. But I think now the linebackers and how they play the pass is going to be always concerning to me, right? Until they show that, you know, it's been improved and it's a stable position. But, I I mean, even the secondary, like the secondary, again, they're going to have to prove to me something. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're fixed. I'm just saying in this moment, that defensive line is so good that you're saying they may be able to, I'm saying, excuse me, they may be able to overcome the flaws on the second and third level. I'm not stamping it right now. I'm not saying that this is a matter of fact. I'm saying, based on what I'm seeing, they can develop into that, and they may be able to develop into that for this team. And Chase Young is on his second day of practice. Uh, Again, he he has – I don't even think we talked about that yesterday. Chase Young is back. Oh, surprise. Chase Young is back. Um, But Chase Young is, is, is officially back for Washington started practicing on wednesday he is back practicing again it's crazy how so much news has gotten buried because of the dan snyder news right um and there's still further things developing we're going to try to work with somebody to, to schedule something uh next week if not like a solo standalone episode um somebody who, who who works in that that area of expertise we got to get an expert on because um I can't continue to speculate. I would rather talk to somebody who knows this stuff in and out. (laughs) Um, But I say that to say, like that story is not going to die down. And trust me, uh, we'll casually follow it on the Hogs Haven podcast. Um, But to that point, it's it's crazy how so much stuff gets buried, right? Chase Young is back. Um, Let's catch up on some other news. Jahan Dotson uh, is still inactive. Um, He is out this week um cole holcomb was a dnp today uh meaning and thursday today in which we're recording david mayo was a dnp jd mckissick was a dnp surprise right there but he he's dealing with a neck injury to some extent limited was to, uh, logan thomas today uh shocker tony was limited with a calf both logan thomas and Shaka tony are dealing with a calf calf injury so there you go in terms of injury updates um I didn't see anything about Cole Turner which is good. Uh I we, they really need Cole Turner back. Uh I have continued to preach <laughs> that that Logan Thomas is not that guy um athletically anymore. And when that athleticism starts to dwindle away, uh it doesn't I mean, you can be good in, in certain certain against certain coverages, but um look man, you was already athletically challenged Like when Washington got you, like you didn't really create much separation. And now you're a a tight end who um, uh, is is hurt and dealing with injuries, lower body injuries, and you still aren't being able to create separation. So with that extent, um, you have to understand, like, it's good to have Cole Turner back and hopefully he can stay healthy so he can show people what he can do. Uh, Jahan Dotson obviously did it with that hamstring. Um, I think it's important to note that at least Scott Turner isn't concerned. I'm trying to look for the quote in which Scott Turner talked about Jahan Dotson. Um, he had mentioned that he'll be, he he does think that he'll be back very, fairly soon. Uh, he didn't say exactly when, but just confident that it'll happen sooner rather than later. Um, and, and I think that's encouraging for anything else, right? Because my concern, and I'm sure others are concerned, when you think about the Jahan Dodson is what happened with Curtis Samuel. You don't want to rush him back. You don't want to have a deja vu situation right there. Um, and uh, again, take your time. Uh, and it's kind of crazy that Washington at this point, I believe, is on a three-game win streak without Jahan. Now the offense, that ain't that ain't nothing to really, you know, I mean, three three wins in a row is good, but like the offense and the performance of the offense uh, in the midst of watch. I mean, Jahan missing his fourth or fifth game in a row hasn't looked pretty, right? So again, it ain't nothing. At least on his side of the football, it ain't nothing to really you know sing their praises. The defensive side of the football has really kept watching in games those over the the course of their four games um, that he's missed. So. Hey, there you go with an update, uh, update on Jahan Dotson. Um, Armani Rogers uh, has been filling in nicely for all of the injured tight ends this year, <laughs> whether, uh whether Cole Turner missed some time or Logan Thomas missed some time. Armani Rogers has been there for everybody in that replacement. And um, I think it's a good thing that Scott Turner is taking notice of him as well. And, I, and, 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 you know, they don't use him to an extent in which, you know, he could be used in, in an athletic space. But also, I, I do take uh, note that, you know, he is a rookie. Um, and he probably has some things to work on that we're not necessarily uh, privy to. But Scott Turner thinks that he has a chance to be a very good player. And I, and I know that's probably 95% coach speak. But, um, you know, if, he, if his role continues to develop in this offense, it's only been eight weeks in eight games. So if his role continues to develop in this offense over the last nine, um, that is going to be an encouraging sign for Armani. Um, that's going to be a current sign for the commanders. Um, okay. So before we get into the interview with Nick, we're going to go ahead and get into our three keys. Um, again, I started off by saying that this was a game where, for all of the the situations that Washington has been in to this point in terms of their three game win streak and knowing like, it ain't no debate knowing that they easily could have lost these games. Right. This is a moment where Washington is faced with a team that can give you a status win that can get you a, a win that says, okay, we need to stop rating Washington as a, a bottom third team and probably start looking at them as a, a top 16 team, top half of the league team. And that's the most important thing. My first key for the game, I think Washington has to score at least 28 to win. Minnesota, you know, there's no in-between with them. They either jump out quickly or start out slow, but they're gonna put up points. One way or other, they're gonna put up points. Washington has scored 21 points against the Green Bay Packers, right? But – and I probably said this on the, the, the post game show, again, after, after the Colts game, but, you know, they hadn't scored 20-plus points since week two. They haven't scored 30 points all season. <laughs> so that's the first and foremost thing. You have to understand where Washington is from an offensive standpoint. And the biggest thing that Washington – is going up against is a team that can score points right the minnesota vikings are the ninth ranked team in points per game uh offensively they're a balanced team they're not like very elite in one aspect or the other but they're balanced um dalvin cook is still there offensively right to 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 help maintain the run on the year he has uh 4.9 yards per carry 500 yards, 560 yards on the season. Averaging 4.9 yards per carry. That's a very efficient runner. And I think we know how efficient he is. Like just off the strength, he is an efficient runner, right? Alexander Madison, I'm cool with. I don't have no big issues with him. But then you look at the receivers, right? And I get into my number two key. You can't let Adam Thielen or JJ, Jay Jettis, Justin Jefferson, can't let them dominate in the slot. Now, Rashad Wild Goose is a person I think I said on, again, post-game. I don't know. So much has happened (laughs) this week. Uh, But, you know, Rashad Wild Goose, man, he's a person where where you look at a man coverage where he gets too uncomfortable um, when the ball is in the air. And I don't want to say that to the point in which you you say that he panics every time when the ball is in the air, but sometimes he just doesn't trust himself. And those have led to those personal um, penalties, those 15 yarders, the pass interferences. I said 15 yarders. I didn't mean to say that. I just meant uh, competitive penalties. Um, I learned that word from uh, the good man, the head coach at the University of Maryland. (laughs) Um, Competitive penalties uh the pass interferences the holding um that's where you're looking at a person who just probably just doesn't trust himself even though he could be in good position and justin jefferson it's according to p haley who did the research credit to him has lined up in the slot for 263 snaps that's more than he's lined up on the outside at 181 snaps we already know Adam Thielen is a slot guy as well. So they mix and match. And Kevin O'Connell, to this point in the season, has done a good job putting Justin and putting Adam in positions to win, right? I think that's the most important part. He puts him in positions to win. And what does that mean? If you put somebody in position to win, you understand your matchups on a week-to-week basis. That's where Rashad Wild Goose comes in. It don't matter what Washington's game plan is going to be. The Vikings are going to try and find a way to get Phelan and Jefferson on Wild Goose. That's going to happen. So you can't hide Wild Goose. He has to play. You have to find a way to give him help. Either that or you're going to have to ask Wild Goose to really step up and, 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 and trust himself in coverage, trust his leverage, trust his technique. And that's going to be the first thing that they ask him to do but he has to try and find a way to do it. So that's going to be my number two key is how Rashad Wild Goose reacts to going up against some of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Uh, two of them being on the same exact team. Um, and I, as far as we know with <laughs> Kirk Cousins, um, I think it's going to be important to try to, you know, get pressure on them, right? That's the most important thing to help. Rashad Wild Goose out is is first off to make sure that that pass rush gets home. Um, last week I said that the the, the defenders, the defensive line, is going to have to win their one on ones against the offensive linemen. Um, and I hope, uh, you know, because I do talk and 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 things like that, and sometimes you, you don't know the the true feedback to what you're saying, but I do hope that my message was clear and that you know they do win, they do create pressure, but you want to see them beat the the offensive lineman and. And for all that's worth, you know, uh, Washington was able to do that against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, can they continue that against the offensive line in of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, who I don't think is terrible, right? But maybe you can you can get some some line gains going. That's going to you know confuse their, the the offensive lineman and, and Kirk Cousins and 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 get a couple turnovers and some sacks on Kirk as a result of of the line games that you do play. I like how they're doing the, the five man pressures uh, with the Cinco package. Um, I like what they did against the coats uh, with the five man pressures, the five down linemen, excuse me, just to be more clear. I like what they're doing with that. Um, they didn't do too much. I, I thought that that was going to be a big deal against the Packers. They actually did the inverse. Um, they trust their four man pressure to get home. They, they really didn't get home, <laughs> but they, they, they were able to, to to provide some pressure against um, the Indianapolis Colts last week with five-man uh, single package. So I wonder if that's going to be in play against the Minnesota Vikings. We will see. Um, but my number three matchup or three key for the Commanders, um, this one is a very simple one. Um, I, I guess in turn all three are kind of simple. Uh, I don't want to ov- make this overly complex or technical, right? The Minnesota Vikings are number uh, five in the NFL in turnovers for us. They have 13 to this point. Washington, for context purposes, have only four, six. (laughs) And I think that ranks them 31st in the NFL. Yep, 31st. And over the last couple weeks, last three weeks in particular, they've been able to get turnovers. Right, they've had five in the past three weeks, two of them being on special teams. Packers, Bears, special teams, muff fumbles, um, or muff punts. The coast game, you get a a, a quarterback who just loses the ball on the way down to, to to take a sack. So you had some some lucky happenstances, and the same thing I think applies to the Minnesota Vikings to some degree. You know, I'll, I'll tap in with. Nick soon and we'll figure out the truth behind that in terms of like are they a a, a, are they a opportunistic defense or are they have or have they been lucky or is it a mix of both right but you got to protect the football against these guys again this is an offense where the defense for washington has not faced this type of caliber in terms of health and in terms of skill set you haven't faced this type of caliber in some time now right? The, the Packers have had Aaron Rodgers, but the, he hasn't had no help. And we saw what that looked like, and we continue to see what that looked like with that blowout against the, the Buffalo Bills. Or excuse me, let me be clear, they lost by 10 27, 17. But at one point, like, the, the Bills made it look very easy to put points up against them. But the 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 story, and the true story, was that the Green Bay Packers couldn't keep up. <laughs> so, you see what that looks like. And, and and to my point, this defense hasn't seen anything like the Vikings since maybe the the Philadelphia Eagles. Like that was the last time, and, and guess who's up next? <laughs> Monday Night game against the Minnesota, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's that's the very next game. So for all it's worth, you get a huge test against the Minnesota Vikings to see if what was what has been going on these last three weeks or these last four weeks four weeks really have been a byproduct of who they're playing and how they're able to focus in on uh, specific uh, aspects of the offense, whether it's the run game or the pass game, and shutting it down. But now you're going up against a team who's balanced, who has a a very good running back, who has a solid backup. You have a solid quarterback. You have very good receivers. And who knows what T.J. Hawkinson Hawkinson is going to be uh, this week against the, the Washington Commanders. Who knows, right but you go up against him as well, or you may be going up against him as well. As far as I know, he's probably expected to get some snaps. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> uh, so I think he is expected to play. Um, but but yeah, it's really about protecting the football against these guys. And I guess it coincides with my first key, and that Washington really has to be able to protect. I mean, excuse me, put up points uh, because the more opportunities you have to score, the, the better off you You have a chance to win this game, and, and I know that was a very elementary uh, comment, right? But you have to understand sometimes football really does come down to sim- the simplistic things, and I think this is a very simplistic game for Washington. Um, I, I do I do think that. Um Last week, the game plan against the Colts was was solid. Like we understand that it's conservative. I don't agree with what happened in the second the second quarter and how they handled that two minute situation. It was terrible. And you can't be a team that's conservative in the sense of you're scared that the the other team is going to put up points, but you want to minimize the amount of time that you give yourself to even score. Right? You got to go for it. You got to try and steal points uh, as much points as you can when you can. Don't agree with that, but I do agree with the overall game plan. I do agree with how Scott turned to adjust it. It just really comes down to Taylor executing and the offense being able to execute uh, on third down specifically. 2 for 11 is unacceptable. This is a team, at this point in the season, you rank 25th, I, I believe, on third downs. 34%. Like You continue to climb into the wrong direction where you started off hot. You have to protect the football. You have to extend drives. Keep that offense off the field. The Vikings offense off the field. So that's my third key. Protect that football. So up next is Nick. Uh, I will give my score prediction now. Last week I told you all I changed my mind at the last second. I slept on it and, and something told me pick the coats. I wish I would have just kept my mouth shut so I could look good. <laughs> uh, if I kept my mouth shut, I would have looked good <laughs> um okay i do think that uh this is a game again where i think that washington is going to win i don't i mean or could win let me be clear sorry about that if i gave you hope i apologize but no you should have hope i think this is a game that washington should win or or they're capable of winning um they're very much capable of winning to be clear uh but i don't think that washington is in a position where if you look at um, the Minnesota Vikings and you're saying, "All right, we have to score 28 points to win," well, I think that that is a a task and an obvious goal for Washington. Right? Um, they have to do it, and I haven't seen a team I haven't seen them do it since week two. And I don't think uh, this is going to be a, a game per se where you look at each and every factor and say that Washington can go back and forth in a shootout against the Vikings I, I I don't know I and I don't think that I mean being at home is going to be good for Washington I say that much and I do think that they're capable of scoring 20 plus points like I do think that that's the case but 28 or more I can see like 21 or 24. but if my number is 28 and I think it's going to take 28 to win I think that Washington falls short um so I'm gonna go Minnesota, and I think that Washington loses to Minnesota 27 to 21. I'm sorry, but that's just where I'm at. But I hope that I'm wrong. That's going to wrap it up for me. Up next is the good man, Nick Olsen. Y'all take it easy. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And we'll talk next time. Peace. Joining us right now is Nick Olsen. Nick covers the Vikings for several different outlets, uh, but we'll let Nick uh, get to that uh, in a moment. Nick, I do appreciate you joining me today or tonight, I guess, in the moment in which we're recording. Um, I'll start things off with um, a thought I had, and, and I'll give you the floor to this one. I've been saying for a couple weeks now, just my opinion, about Minnesota. I picked them to win the NFC North before the season started. So, like I'm looking good on that, but the more I follow them throughout the throughout the season, um I don't think that this is like a strong 6 and 1 team and, and that kind of frustrates me uh because I'm a competitor. I like to be right about things and and so far I'm right, but I'm not too certain that this is uh sustainable just yet. What are your thoughts on the 22 22- uh, 2022 vikings to this point
1: yeah it's it's kind of interesting because right now they're about middle of the pack and epa per play on offense and on defense they're about middle of the pack on uh, dvoa so a lot of advanced metrics say they're kind of a middle of the pack team maybe a little bit above average if anything but certainly not a six and one team a team that's worthy of their record um so i think if you look at the results on the field i mean hey look they played the last five games have been one score games. Historically, teams, those are coin flips. You know, you win about half of your one score games and teams that are good at one score games tend not to continue to be good at one score games. Uh, and, you know, teams the the next year, teams that were really good at one score games tend to regress back to 50 50. Um, so there, there's some there's a lot of logic to think the Vikings aren't as good as their record. I think that's also true. Um, but I also think this is a team that is is very talented and is playing at a high level of talent as well, too. You know, uh, guys like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Christian Derrissaw has taken a huge leap forward this year. Brian O'Neill, you know, these are all pro bowlers on the offense, I think, playing at a pro bowl level right now. And on the defense, you have still got some old veterans and Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks. These are guys who are. Uh, and maybe not as as good as they once were five years ago in their prime, but are still playing at I think at a high level. Particularly Patrick Peterson coming off two straight games with three pass breakups, and then in the front in the front four you got uh, Daniel Hunter, who's still playing at a very That's high right, level. Yeah, yeah. Darius Spence was just you know named NFC Defensive Player of the Month, so they're, they're, they've got a lot of players playing very well. So if you look at the talent, and you evaluate the talent um, you know individually, I think it's a very talented team. Um, but if you look at the the end results. Uh, they're not quite playing up to the level of their record right now. So it's kind of interesting trying to figure out why is that? You know, why is this very talented team uh, that I think is well-coached, too, uh, kind of having to, to to have it come down to the last drive every week, whether it's the Bears, the Lions, two backup quarterbacks. Got another matchup with a quarterback, backup quarterback this week, too. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, it's, I, I still don't know if the Vikings are good. So it's a,
0: it's a I'm about fun to say play. Some 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 actually think that this this backup should have been a starter this entire time over here in Washington. So it's, it's a very interesting game uh, from several different angles. But I think based on hearing what you're saying, I, I think that's that's very interesting from the player perspective. These guys are are, are basically they're hooping. They're, they're playing really good. And from your coaches, it sounds like you're confident in capital Common to this point. Um, I guess I'll start with KOC first and then transition to uh, the, the follow up. Uh, what has been the the pleasant surprise about Kevin O'Connell? But that's the first thing. But but the, the the differences between him and and Mike Zimmer's leadership, has it been noticeable to you? And if so, in what way?
1: Yeah, and the leadership's been noticeable in pretty much everywhere. I mean, Kevin O'Connell comes from you know, Sean McVay's kind of his mentor and he has that kind of players coach mentality and the players. Uh, connect with him very easily. I think that's one of the advantages you're seeing all these young 30 year old coaches come into the NFL. Kevin O'Connell, the second youngest coach in the NFL to Sean McPinn, it helps them, I think, relate to the players at a different level. It's not so much of a like a boss uh, underling relationship, it's more of a, 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 a meeting of equals. Um, so he brings a lot of energy, a lot of positivity, and a lot of uh, good vibes, I guess, to the organization. And I think that shows a lot of people like playing with him, whereas Zimmer was a total Parcells guy, you know, kind of a hard ass. Um, you know, tough love. Uh, he was just it's just very different styles, you know, and you can win with both in the NFL. Um, I, I think, uh, so just just from you know the the the, the vibes and the the you, that's where you see kind of some of that leadership show up. But I think the most pleasant thing I've seen with Kevin O'Connell is, um, I think a lot of the play design has been excellent, and I think it particularly stands out in the low red zone. He's now the Vikings have played 7 games and and in all 7 games Kevin O'Connell has has called up a play or, or designed a play where you've wound up with somebody wide open in the low red zone which I think is really impressive because that's a very condensed space. Yeah. He does a lot of uh, he throws a lot of interesting wrinkles in there, whether it's, uh, you know, it was a wide delay last week. It was, um, you know, he'll do um, uh, jet sweeps, but, you know, there'll be a lot of different motion at the snap and people going different ways and different ways to sort of build and mesh concepts to get guys open. So um, he has really good um, counters. I, I don't think I'm ready to, it's a small sample size. Yes. I'm not really like ready to like put him into an elite category of, of play colors in the NFL, but uh, I think there were some questions coming in that like how much of the 2021 Rams Super Bowl run, uh, was just Sean McVay being a genius. You know, he's lost some very good offensive coordinators during his time there, and that that Rams machine still rolls on. But I think the early results from Kevin O'Connell are that the offense um, is designed well, he calls plays well, and he's he's showing a, a level of leadership. And obviously, it's it's easy to have good vibes when you're winning games. But so far, I think everybody is really enjoying having him as coach, and they appreciate his leadership style.
0: Yeah, and and I think the thing is, like you did a really good job of encapsulating the things in the red zone. Um, on that in, in that green area for for scoring and and I think a, a concern for us as we look at and I think a concern for anybody uh when you go up against the Minnesota Vikings is understanding that you all have two of the best two really good receivers but two of the best slot receivers on the same team and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson Uh, their usage in the slot has been very effective Uh, and, and Kevin O'Connell and, 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 and how he utilizes Justin, I think he has more slot alignments than he does on on the outside. And, and how has, how has that been, I don't want to like, uh, talk about like a whole season standpoint, but just, just Justin Jefferson, how has that expanded his game and, and made him a, a even bigger threat for, for, for defenses because Washington has a guy in Rashad Wild Goose who plays in the slot now and his hands are going to be full Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think for Kevin O'Connell, it's all about how do we get our best players in the best matchups possible. And I think that's true both on the, the offensive side and the defensive side. So for Jefferson, uh, all all season long, it's been how do we use positional groupings? How do we move, use motion? How do we um, use our alignments to, to figure out the best way to get Jefferson? You know, he'll run, you know, it's kind of not the most complicated route tree in the world. It's a lot of the same stuff that McVay was doing last year. Um, but he'll run it from, you know, sometimes he'll be in the slot, sometimes he'll be out wide, sometimes he'll come out and empty and then motion Jefferson into the backfield. Um, and he'll run, you know, sort of the those choice routes with Justin Jefferson instead of the, the running back. So uh, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, which matchups do we like? How are we going to attack this guy? And how are we going to get him set up in the best way possible? And I think that's become especially important as more and more teams are giving Justin Jefferson, uh, whether it's a safety clouded over the top or true bracket coverage. Uh, you're seeing a lot more of that. So I, of the question is a lot of how do we, how do we use that to um, put Jefferson in situations to still produce? And if teams are really going to, you know, commit to using two defenders to try and to tackle Justin Jefferson, how do we use that for the advantage? And you see that sometimes in the run game, let's line Justin Jefferson out wide, get a light box and we'll run straight into it. We'll, you're going to double Justin Jefferson. Well, here's a route, you know, here we'll run a man beater on the other side and, you know, get a sort of natural Kevin O'Connell's called a lot of good plays with natural pick plays. I think they're well coached because uh, they get a lot of uh, effective uh, pick plays there too. So, um, it's uh, a lot of it just comes down to how do we get guys in our best position to win. So uh, a lot of times that comes up in the slot. Last week in the Cardinals, you know, we got Justin Jefferson on an explosive, and it was a post route over the top of Isaiah Simmons, and it was kind of run. Uh, you know, it was, you know, anytime you get Justin Jefferson matched up on a linebacker, Simmons is an incredible player, incredible athlete, but that's a matchup advantage for the for Je- Justin yes. Jefferson. So just putting your players in the best position to succeed week in, week out.
0: What are some of your concerns about first of all i guess we can talk about um your team the the vikings uh what are your what is something that you're you're concerned with what are something that was something that you're confident in and as it relates specifically for this game what is something that has uh throughout this week something that has really uh got your attention whether it's for good or for for worse with the minnesota vikings as it relates to the washington commanders
1: yeah, I would say there's a it's it's kind of been an up and down season for the Vikings in terms of what are the strengths of this team and what are the weaknesses. Like last week, coming going into the Cardinals game, I was worried a little bit about the running game. We hadn't necessarily seen Dalvin Cook go off. He had his first 100 yard rushing game against a team that came into the game being second in the league in EPA per play against the run. So um, it's it's kind of things kind of come and go sometimes. You know, initially we were kind of worried about the pass rush, uh, but now they've come on really strong with a bunch of multi sack games too. So. Um, Things have ebbed and flowed. I would say right now, um, still worry a little bit about the interior offensive line and its pass protection. I think that continues to get exposed, especially on blitz looks on third downs, third and long. Uh, Teams kind of know um, that they can kind of blitz the Vikings and uh, Ed Ingram, Vikings right guard, Garrett Bradbury, the Vikings center, uh, have struggled when they've been exposed in one-on-one pass protection situations. That's gonna happen anytime you got an undersized center and you got a rookie right guard, Uh, but it is something that teams are trying to exploit. Vikings got a little bit better. They came out of the bye last week with a few different answers to try and uh, bring extra guys. You know, they came out about like four or five times in an empty, and then they motion guys in to sort of see where the blitz was coming from. A little bit easier to uh, check that out when you when you start out in empty, and then you check into uh, your protection call. So that's one way they're helping them. But that's definitely something, especially against Washington's front. And uh, you talk about, you know, the guys, all the all the draft capital they've invested there, and then the possibility of getting Chase Young back as well. That's <laughs> offensive line is going to have its hands full on Sunday. So definitely that's something that concerns. And then I think on the defensive side of the ball, you know, the the front four is playing where front five, really, I guess it's a three, four now, playing very well. Um, but you concern a little bit about the the back seven and the, and the guys in coverage. Patrick Peterson playing at a very high level, but he has been burned a few times this year. Hasn't really gotten... Um, uh, paid for it. You know, the one of the I think it was the first play of the, of the season for the defense, Christian Watson Packers. Um, early uh, yeah. Draft, dropped a wide, you know, a wide open touchdown and got, got ran right past Patrick Peterson on a double move. That's happened actually a couple times, but what, there was another time that a receiver lost the ball in the sun. There was another time that, um, you know, the, the ball was underthrown and Patrick Peterson was able to catch up to it. So, um, and you know, that's our, that's a better cornerback Shannon Sullivan slot corner. He's not a, he's not a speeder. Speedster Cameron Dantzler, despite uh, his uh, uh, draft profile, you know, he, he had like kind of like a doctored 40 time that he came out, but he ran like, I think it was a four, five, seven officially. Uh, so these guys are not speed guys. And you match up against the commander's speed, especially Terry McLaurin. There's a guy who can just absolutely roast you. Uh, whether it's pure speed or a double move or whatever, so that's one way that uh, pretty much every week I'm, I'm a little bit terrified to see how these guys are going to match up with speed. I mean, the Vikings do try to help them out. That's why they they base out so much of that Fangio style, uh, two high safety looks. They love they run probably cover six or cover eight, as you know the Fangio speak would call it most often, uh, more than any other coverage look. But um, yeah, they so they give safety help to dedicate more resources in coverage. But you kind of have to, especially when you're dealing with the, the talent at wide receiver. Uh, that the commanders have so that's probably my main concern is uh how this uh offensive line particularly the interior offensive line matches up with uh the commander's front it will be interesting if chase young plays to see christian derisov because um played i think at a very very high level but he hasn't necessarily had uh an elite test yet so if 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 young is 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 ready to go at all or even on a snap count i think that'll be fun to see sort of that clash of the titans now on the defensive side of the ball it's how are how are we going to keep up with the Commanders' talent at wide receiver? Because there haven't been many teams they have played with this level of talent. Too maybe the Dolphins, but um, the the Commanders very talented there.
0: Now I, I was going to say I think I think you may be in luck, Nick. I, I don't see Chase Young. I, if I had to bet, he may he may be back next week um, on the, on the snap count. But uh, to your point, this especially with the interior side, you, you got to deal with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. So I think that's very insightful. They they two. Uh, those two have been uh very successful this this year they've been on a rampage in in the sense of of how they've been able to create pressure uh, throughout the game so that's uh good for us. but i think the the biggest thing and i saved the the best for last um you all have a quarterback over there who uh is probably good enough to overcome some of the 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 things that washington may send their way. Or maybe not because interior pressure, especially in the middle, is, is probably something that can get to Kirk Cousins, who knows? Uh, but he's a polarizing player, man. And um, and, and when his name is brought up around here, it invokes a lot of emotion. Um, he's re- not reunited, obviously, with the familiar coach and KOC. And uh, I think what what is the book on Kirk this year? What is your opinion on him? Um, and, and how has that relationship looked to this point between he and his former OC, now current head coach.
1: They seem to get along really well. It's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, Washington fans are more than familiar with Kirk Cousins. He's not that different from his time back, uh, was it five years back now? Um, he's improved in some ways. I think he's probably a little bit more accurate. I mean, he was always accurate, I think, at Washington. His pocket presence, I think, has improved a lot. I think you see that a lot of times, especially with traditional pocket passers, their pocket presence tends to get a little bit better as they get more and more reps. And now I would, I would, and I remember watching his Washington tape and thinking this guy really struggled under pressure. Now I would say he's actually pretty good under pressure. I mean, he's not going to beat guys with athleticism, he's not breaking tackles, he's not spinning out of rushers to break the pocket but i do think he's gotten a lot better at handling pressure that said he's still not a mobile quarterback and when you're talking about jonathan allen matched up against a rookie or an undersized center kind of barreling down at him that's going to create problems for him so um yeah he's still kind of the same old kirk cousins people eternally debate whether he's worth paying you know top yeah uh, quarterback money to him or not and that's a debate that uh, vikings fans have been stuck with for the past five years you know
0: what side are you on their- What side are you on nick are you on oh, the Pat- he's worth it or is it is because it's hard to say a person with fully guaranteed money it's i'm, I'm not gonna it don't matter who it is i'll take that back if you would if you're a fide top three quarterback then maybe it's 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 easy to say it but outside of that it gets murky for any any person
1: yeah totally i it's so hard to say. I think he's the kind of quarterback that increases your, your probability of winning your division while also decreasing your chances of winning a super bowl, because we know right. that he's good, yeah. but not elite. You know, um, I, I would, I would say I'm fine. I was fine when they extended him this offseason for $35 million. Cause I feel like he's, he justifies that. I would never give him, you know, the the fifty million dollar, two hundred fifty million over five years or whatever deal. So uh, I I don't know. I kind of hope the Vikings uh, draft somebody else. To it would be fun to see Justin Jefferson with a quarterback uh, who is a little more aggressive and willing to push the ball downfield. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I I can't I can't argue with the results. I mean. One thing with Kirk Cousins is, you know, regardless of of all the all the talk and all the narrative, he is going to get his stats. He is going to put up some pretty good games. It may not be in prime time, but he is going to he is going to do a lot of things that look really good. And you can always do a lot worse in him too. Like he is an above average quarterback. It's just a question of how much above average and how far can you go with someone like him. So uh, those are all. I think people come down on all. I understand why people come down on all sides of the aisle yeah. on him because he's a good quarterback. He's just not. Um, you know, it's the money
0: part. It really, it really just comes down to that. Like, once the money gets involved in this conversation, like people can probably be much more objective if they took the money out of the situation and said, Who is this guy to you? Um, but once the money comes in, this person is getting more money than X quarterback, Y quarterback, all these guys, and he's getting guaranteed. Ain't no way he's better than XY. And I think that's that's really what it comes down to. And and to your point, um, I, I really do agree he's above average. Uh, but to what extent is like he closer to like the very good the elite um we don't know or it's hard to say for me but i i think above average is the safest and most objective and fair way to say it but that money starts have people thinking that he's trash or or terrible or overrated and it's like i don't know man it's, it's it just gets very confusing. <laughs> He's yeah, very it's kind good of funny. He finally, you know, like I think one of the knocks with Cousins is like he just
1: doesn't he puts up whatever stats you want, whatever passer rating you want, but he just doesn't play a winning style of football. Now I'm wondering, Just I'm kind of curious to see if that narrative will shift because now he is, <laughs> whether he's playing well or not, the Vikings are six and one. So he is playing yeah. a winning brand of football. But I also think this isn't the best year I've, I've seen from Kirk Cousins. I, I think his accuracy has been kind of inconsistent uh, there he still has moments of like pinpoint precision but the consistency isn't there with his accuracy uh I feel like he's a little bit less um, aggressive than I've seen him in years past you know though some of that is how defenses are playing him but like on those boot rollouts he used to really push the ball downfield this year it's been a lot of you know just automatically checking down every high low read is I'll take the low with him so uh, there, there's a little bit more aggression that I'd like to see from him too so this isn't this isn't the best of Kirk Cousins that I've seen, at least through seven games this year, but it is the winningest of Kirk Cousins. So I'm wondering, I'm curious to see how that'll change, shift any narratives. Hey,
0: well, if there's one thing for sure, they're not going to tell you here in Washington, but the, the people who strongly dislike Kirk Cousins are going to be very in tune with everything that's going on in Minnesota uh, the rest of this season. Uh, I admittedly just love football, and, and I'm rooting for Minnesota for the reasons I started out this show. <laughs> I, they got to win the North. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the playoffs um and and i root for the underdog i always thought that kirk was an underdog given like his status in washington so um by by default that's that's who i'm going for just uh i'm taking the money out of everything in this conversation (laughs) um but let's go ahead and get your get you out of here with with your prediction who wins and why
1: i feel like it'll be a close game and i feel like it might not be uh the highest scoring game i'll i'll go with like say 24 21 uh, Minnesota. I do feel like that's kind of betting markets have Vikings by a hair. I feel like um, you know, the Vikings are coming up a really strong season, strong game so far, and they're healthy. They're really healthy. I think that might be the advantage here. Um, but I, I would not shock me at all if the commanders steal this one away, especially at home for Washington. Um, so that's kind of how I see it shape now.
0: Nick. I appreciate you joining me, man, and and, and giving me some time this evening. Uh, It was definitely a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Let the people know where they can find you, hear from you, read your work, everything, anything that Nick got going on, man, the floor is yours. Okay,
1: perfect. You can find me on Twitter, at Nick Olson NFL. Uh, I write for Zone Coverage. I write for Vikings Territory. That's where you can find my written work. Uh, I do a handful of podcasts, but my main one right now is at Kindred Skulls. You can find it on iTunes spotify or we're on youtube so just search kindred skulls and that's where you'll find that one uh, appreciate you having me on man